0: If you would take your Bibles to John chapter 19 this morning. One of the biggest struggles that we have in dealing, that we deal with in this life is our, our perspective. There's a story that two salesmen, uh, two shoe salesmen went to Africa and they were sent there by their company and, and when they got there, one sent a telegram home that said, get me home, nobody here wears shoes. And the other salesman sent a telegram that said, Send me all the shoes you can. Nobody here wears shoes. And so, really, a lot of our issues and a lot of the situations that we see in life come because of our perspective. You know, we say things like, from my perspective, but the truth is, we never believe that our perspective could be wrong. I learned a long time ago uh, and I learned over the years and it's been reiterated to me that Summer and I oftentimes see things differently. And usually she is right and I am wrong. And that is a perspective that I've come to grab hold of in life. You know, that's why I believe that we're told in the scriptures to trust in the Lord with all our heart. We're told not to lean on our own understanding. As people, we like to rationalize. We, uh, it's easy to rationalize our sin away. It's easy, it's easy to rationalize our bad choices. It's amazing to me how many parents rationalize the sinfulness of their children. We, we don't want to believe that our children are bad, that they're sinful, but let me just break it to you right now, your children are sinners. And listen, we don't have to rationalize, rationalize their sin away, but we need to deal with it. But we want to put on this face for the world around us. We want people to view us in a certain way, so we, we don't want anybody to, to judge us or particularly to, to judge our children. And so we rationalize there because we have this perspective of, of our life. And we see our life and we view our life in, in a certain way. But the reality is, is we are all sinners. When we come to John chapter 19, we come to the time in Jesus' life where he's in the trials, we talked about the last couple of weeks, and he's now before Pilate, before Herod, he's been before the, the chief priests and the high priests, and, and the people are constantly yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And you know, as we look at this situation, the gospels give us uh, different perspectives from, from different people. And so this morning, I want us to consider the different perspectives of the people that are dealing with Jesus in this moment, the perspective that the Bible gives us. But then I want us to finish up with, and I think this is very key, I want us to finish, up, I want us to finish with Jesus' perspective. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning, and Lord, I thank you for the wonderful music Lord, I pray that everybody here could, could sing with great joy in their heart that we stand in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if there's somebody that's here today that has never, Lord, turned from their sin and by faith received the free gift of salvation, I pray today would be that day in their life. And Lord, for those of us that are believers, I pray that you would challenge us in our walk. I pray that you'd convict us of sin and bad attitudes and, and wrong, wrong perspectives in life. And for all of us, I hope, Lord, that you would show us, open our eyes to the perspective that we see in Jesus here in this passage. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before we get to John chapter 19, I want you to take your Bibles to two other passages in this story. We haven't really done this uh, throughout my series through the book of John, but I want us to go back to Luke chapter 23, and see, a, and then we're going to go over to Matthew as well to see a couple, uh, the, a couple of people and their perspective uh, during this situation. So Jesus comes before Pilate, and Pilate finds out that Jesus is a Galilean, and so he tells the people, okay, then I don't have jurisdiction here, so so take Jesus to hear it, and really what he wants to do is he wants to, to pass the buck. So when we come to Luke chapter 23. We'll begin reading in verse 4. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all jury, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether this man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged unto Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, was exceeding, he was exceeding glad, for he was desirous to see him of a long season. Now notice his perspective here. This man wanted to see Jesus. He heard about Jesus and all that he'd done through the land. And the Bible says he wanted to see him because he had heard many things of him and he hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood vehemently accused him. And Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day, Pilate and Herod, were made friends together for before they were en- at enmity between themselves. So the first person I want you to see his perspective is the perspective of Herod. And what we see here in this passage is that the only thing that Herod wanted was to see a show. He wanted to see Jesus do some, some great miracle. And so Pilate now is the Roman ruler in Judea, and Herod is the half Jewish ruler in Galilee. And so Pilate sees an out, to pass this on to Herod. Now I want you to know uh, who this Herod is. This Herod in Luke 23 is the same one that beheaded John the Baptist. He is also the son of Herod the Great. Herod the Great was the one that when the the wise men came seeking for the king of the Jews, they came before Herod and Herod said, hey, when you find this Jesus, I want you to come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him. And and being warned in a dream, the Bible tells us they went a different way and left without going back to Herod. So Herod the Great put out a decree that all the Jewish babies in that region, two years and younger, were to be put, put to death. I would have to imagine that this Herod, Antipas, this Herod in Luke 23, the son of Herod the Great, some 30 years later, would have heard the story about the king of the Jews. And the one that probably was put to death with all of the other babies. But this Herod, probably not thinking about that, heard only about the miracles, wanted a, wanted a, a show. You know, many people like that are like that today. They they come to church. They just they come for the show. They they come because they want to they want to be entertained. I hear people all the time say, "Well, you don't have this or you don't have that," and I, and I like this better than that. And so it, it, it's all about what you're doing in performance or what you can do for me. And so people say, "Well, you know, you're not serving me. I don't I don't like this or that," and it's never about the truth. You see, Herod wasn't concerned about the truth. Over and over, we've heard Pilate say, I find no fault in him. And people have said, this man has done nothing wrong. Nobody is concerned about the truth, let alone Herod. And so Herod's like, I want you to do something for me. And so Herod begins to question him, and Jesus doesn't, doesn't answer. I want you to notice something. I don't don't want to gloss over this, and I don't want you to miss this. In verse 12, the Bible says the same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends together, for before they were at enmity between themselves. You know, it's amazing how Jesus brings enemies together. You know, the the friend or the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Here were two politicians that hated each other, but they had one, one thing in common. They really wanted nothing to do with Jesus. It wasn't that they wanted to put him to death. They wanted nothing to do with him. And so they kept saying, I have no fault in him. There's there's nothing that I can do because he has done nothing wrong. But they just wanted the show. They wanted the power, the position. They wanted, and here in this place, wanted to be entertained. Can I ask you today why? Why do you go to church? Why do you go to church? Do you, you go to church to worship God? Do you go to church to, to hear the word of God? Do you go to a church to, to have the Holy Spirit take the word of God and, and convict you and challenge you in, in your life? Hey, l- listen, we shouldn't be going to church just because it's something we do or, or because somebody's gonna call us and say, hey, we missed you or, or it's just some routine that we do or it's a checklist. You know, well, we feel good about ourselves today. Why? Because, hey, we got out of bed on time and we made it to Sunday school and hey, we made it to church and now we can go out and, and live like we want to live. Unfortunately, so many in our society have this mindset that, listen, we'll go out and live however we want, we'll live like the world, we'll act like the world, we'll live in our sin and then we'll come and, and we'll wash it all away on Sunday morning because we, we showed up in church and, and hey, God took care of us. And that's kind of how we view Jesus oftentimes. And that's the sad truth. What is your perspective about Jesus? Do you come to worship him and to praise him for who he is and what he did for you in your life? Or are you coming just because you, you, you feel guilty about something or you want to, to be, as Herod did, entertained? I want you to go back now to Matthew, if you would. Matthew 27. In Matthew 27, we're introduced to Pilate's wife, Claudia. In verse number 19, the Bible says, when he was sat down in the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. In John 19, we're told that that Pilate himself became afraid. He heard the, the people's call to him to crucify Jesus, and he says, I have seen nothing wrong with this man. And then somewhere along in that, in that time frame, Pilate receives a letter from his wife, and, and she had a dream. And listen, they, the Romans in that day, they, they put a lot of stock in the dreams that they had. They believed these were messages from their God, and so he said, she, she sent him a letter, and maybe it said you know something like, you know, sweetie, or, or honey, or, or my love. I don't know how they addressed their letters in those days, but honey, I want you to understand that, that I've learned in a dream that this man is just. And listen, you don't want to have anything to do with this guy. Just, just get, wash your hands of it and, and, and get, him, get him away. And according to her dream, Jesus is is innocent. And so Claudia's perspective is, is fear. She's afraid of what's going to happen to them because of their dealings with 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 Jesus. You know, it, it's amazing to me in life how how we are so consumed with material things. We're we're consumed with our position and our power in, in this world, and the opportunities that we have. And, and, and so often we will maybe, maybe not deny our faith, but maybe downplay our faith. Because what are other people going to think about us? You know, so many people will make an excuse why they can't be outgoing as a Christian in their, in their workplace. And, and listen, i just, I, I got to be quiet. It's just not the arena to, to, you know, to speak out and to show my faith and to, to show that I'm a believer in Jesus in Jesus Christ because we're afraid of what's going to what's going to happen and so that was Claudia's perspective hey we've been called as disciples of Jesus Christ to be bold ambassadors of the gospel of Jesus Christ Now listen I'm not telling you not to do your job and take time and steal from your employer uh, you know I'm not telling you to do that but that doesn't mean we have to hide our faith that doesn't mean we can't be bold in, in, in our faith you know, I had the opportunity to serve at times on different boards and, and I was on the board of an organization and, and they began, and, and a health organization, and they began to um, have a, a different agenda than what I could stand for. And, and they began to promote the LGBTQ community and, and whatever other letters are on there. I don't know if I said that right, but they began to promote all that and, and that lifestyle. And so I went and met with the, you know, the president and said, I'm just going to have to respectfully, you know, uh, step down. And you know what she said? She said, I knew you were gonna do that. I knew you were gonna do that, why? Because she knew I was a believer in Jesus Christ. Listen, people know that I'm not only the pastor of Grace Baptist Church, but I believe the Bible. And I try to live by the Bible and I stand on biblical principles and I'm going to do everything I can. And listen, I'm not saying I don't fail, but I'm going to do everything that I can to live according to Scripture. And so I can't be in uh, in leadership of an organization that's promoting ungodly lifestyles. I can't be in leadership of that. And listen, it's okay to, to be removed from that position and maybe to lose out some things for the sake of the gospel. You go through the book of Hebrews and you come to that great chapter on faith and the Bible talks about all of these great people, all of these great people like Moses and Abraham and and, and Abel and all of their, their faith and what they did for God according to faith. But at the end of that, it goes on and says, there are many more that were sawn asunder and they gave their very lives for the sake of the gospel. And yet we struggle because we're afraid of what our neighbors think about us or what our employer's gonna to say to us or we might lose out on some opportunity. It's sad when you see somebody boldly proclaim the gospel when they're at church and then they get out in the world and they live totally different out of fear of what society's gonna say or what society's going to, to do. This lady was concerned about what was going to happen to them and she was reacting and her perspective came from fear. If you would, go back to John chapter 19. In John chapter 19, we've been dealing with Pilate and his relationship with Jesus and Jesus before him. And, and so we come to verse number one. The Bible tells us that Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, king of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands and mocked Jesus. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came forth wearing the the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold, the man see, from Pilate's perspective, Jesus had nothing wrong, but Pilate's perspective was appeasement. His desire was to appease the people, and so he thought, if I just beat and torture Jesus, then the people will be satisfied, and so they take Jesus out, and they beat him with a whip, and they clothed him in the, after he was beaten in this purple robe, and they put this crown of thorns and pushed it down into his head, and, and, and they bring him out. Most people in that day that would go through what Jesus did here in these just few verses, most people that went through this beating and and torture that Jesus went through would not make it through and would die in that instance. You see, it was illegal for Pilate to beat this man. He had just said, I find him innocent, there's nothing wrong with him, but he was so concerned with pleasing men. He was so concerned with pleasing men And he parades Jesus back out there to show him. Look what I did. I've punished him. So this should be appeasement to you. Many Christians want to please men rather than God. The Bible has to specifically deal with that issue and tell us not to be men pleasers, but to please God with our life. Because in our flesh, we're so drawn to the approval and the praise of men that were willing even to, to sin and live contrary to, to God. So he comes back then to Jesus, if you'll follow along with me in this passage, and then when the chief priests therefore and the officers, they weren't satisfied, they cried, cried out saying, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, we have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the son of God. When Pilate therefore heard the saying, he was more afraid, and went again to the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, And so he comes back to, to Jesus, and he asked him more questions. Pilate therefore heard, he was afraid, and went into judgment hall, and saith to Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then saith Pilate unto him, And listen to his perspective. Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? Basically, Pilate comes back to Jesus and and asks him questions, and Jesus does not answer. And this is what Pilate's perspective is. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I I am? The position that, that I have? Don't you know that I have the authority to release you or the authority to, to kill you? Many throughout the years have had the same mindset. You challenge them about their sin and they think, don't you know who I am? Who do you think you are talking to me like that? And, and listen, all of us are sinners and none of us are above failing and falling in sin. And we have to be very honest with ourselves. And this is where we really struggle. Our perspective about ourselves becomes one of the greatest flaws in our life because we believe that we're something that we're not. And so God says, listen, be careful. Be careful because when you believe something about yourself that you're not, probably the result is you're going to fall and you're going to fail. And so God challenges us through his word not to think wrongly about our, ourselves. And so Pilate comes before Jesus and, and appeals to, to his position. He goes on to say, if you could jump down to verse number 12, and from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. And so again, we see their appeal to Pilate's position. We see their appeal to Pilate's position. And so there's a political response there. If you don't kill this man who is the enemy of Caesar from our perspective, then that means you are the enemy of Caesar. And so Pilate has his, his p- perspective of fear, his perspective of his position, and now his political, his political perspective. And that brings us, number four, to the crowd's perspective. And really, the crowd's perspective has been the same for the last three weeks in all the chapters, all the verses that we've read through. Crucify him, crucify him. But I want you to notice what they say We have no king but Caesar. And this is the perspective that we see. And really, this perspective goes all the way back to the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, when God uh, created the nation of Israel and they came out of um, Egypt, out of slavery, and and God takes them into the promised land, they were under what is called a theocracy. God was their king. But the day came where they began to look around at the other nations and they, they cried out to the prophet who said, they said, make a king over us because we want to be like all of the other nations. And basically what they said is, we don't want God. We don't want God as our king. We want to be like everybody else. And so what do they say here? We have no king, but who? But Caesar. And what they're basically saying is God is not our king. And God is not going to be in control of our life. And we are not going to submit to God. And what we have running rampant through the church today is, is listen, I'm not submitting to authority. I'm not submitting to God. I'm going to run my own life. And that's the perspective that many of us find ourselves in, just like the crowd that was right there. We don't care what the preacher says. We don't care what the Bible says. We don't care what our parents say. We're going to do what we want to do because we don't want a king. And we don't say our king is Caesar. What we say is, I'm my king. Daniel Stevens is my king. And I'm not going to have anybody else in authority over me. And that's what we have in this passage, the perspective of these people. Crucify him because he's not our king and we're never going to submit to his authority. So here you find Herod who wants to see a show. He wants a spectacle. And so he said, hey, bring this Jesus. I've been wanting to meet him. I wanna see he can do. Hey, hey, turn this stick to a snake. Turn the snake to a stick. You know, do something, make something appear. Raise the dead, heal this layman. I wanna see some great spectacle. You have the perspective of Claudia who's just, who's afraid of what's going to happen to her and to her husband and say, wash your hands of this, living in fear. You have the perspective of Pilate himself. It's like, don't you understand who I am? Look at my position, look at my power. You need to obey me, submit to me. And then you have the crowd who was yell, crucify him, crucify him. But most importantly, in John chapter 19, and verse number 11, please don't miss this we have the perspective of Jesus. Pilate says, don't you understand, I have the authority to crucify you or to release you? And Jesus answered, thou couldest have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Jesus tells him, Pilate, listen, you have no power to release me or to crucify me, except it be allowed from my Father above. Jesus, in this moment, did not want to be released. You see, the perspective of Jesus was that he came to be a Savior. We're told that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. The Bible tells us that he came to give his life a ransom, you see, Jesus came to die on the cross. And that was his perspective from day one. He, came, he was born, as we sing in that great song, born to die. My friend, can I tell you, he came to die for you. He came to die for you. He came to die for me. And when he went to that cross, it wasn't for his sin, but it was for my sin. And it was for your sin, and it was for the sins of the world. See, that was the perspective that Jesus had that day. His perspective was that you need a savior. And he was the only one that was worthy to sacrifice his life and shed his blood that could appease the wrath of God for your sin, for my sin. That's the perspective that Jesus had that day as he was beaten with that whip and as the robe was put around him and the thorns were put on his head and as he looked forward to the cross, the perspective was that they need a savior. They need a savior. You know, I struggle with people run around and try to justify their sin and they make excuses why they're not serving God and why they're not in church, and why they're not active in church, and, and it's just, we, we, we justify all these things, and, and we, we're constantly looking at our, our situation, our circumstances from our perspective. I want you to think about your life from the perspective of Jesus. Hey, if you're, not, if you're here today, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, listen, you might, from your perspective, think you're morally good, You might think you're a righteous person, but the Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We have all sinned against God and deserve death. That's that's reality. And we need to just quit looking at our life from our perspective of morality and goodness compared to other people in this world and look at our life from the truth and the lens of God's word and Jesus' perspective all need a savior. That's why he came. And listen, you gotta get your mind and your thinking off of your goodness and your righteousness that you believe you have. Realize that there is no righteousness in you that can earn favor with God. But you must accept Jesus Christ as your savior. And when you accept him by faith, he will give you eternal life and make you a part of the the family of God that we sang about earlier as a Christian here today, we gotta quit looking at our life from the perspective of this world, wanting to fit in, wanting the material things of this world, and we're so consumed with the things of of this world. We want to be entertained, and we want to, to have more, and we want to be popular, and we have all of these things that the world is seeking after, and we kind of buy into that from our perspective. We need to come to the place where we understand what Jesus did for us on the cross and what he's called us to do. To go and boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, to live our lives, to honor and glorify God. Listen, we need to come to the place where we have that perspective. And listen, it will change everything about us individually, everything about our families, and everything about our church if all of us would come to that perspective. of who Jesus is and what he did for us on the cross. Jesus' perspective before Pilate was, you're not taking my life, but I'm laying my life down for those that are lost in sin because they need a savior. And I've come to save. I've come to save them from sin and remove the wrath of God from their life and make them a part of the family of God.